1: Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. In the program this week, troubled New Zealand cricketer Jesse Ryder's back in the international frame. What's it going to take for the Silver Ferns to end their longest ever losing streak? The New Zealand track cycling team head to Mexico with Rio on their minds. And the squads for the five New Zealand Super Rugby franchises were unveiled for 2015 this week. But what's changed? And it's 40 years ago this week that Muhammad Ali won the Rumble in the Jungle. Jesse Ryder's back in the New Zealand cricket side, named in the New Zealand A squad to play a one-day series in the United Arab Emirates in November. Ryder returns to a New Zealand team for the first time since last summer's series against India, not having been considered since then as Black Cubs coach Mike Hessen was looking for an improvement in his off-field behaviour. This year he's performed well for English county side Essex and was straight back into good form on his return to Otago. New Zealand Cricket's National Selection Manager Bruce Edgar says Ryder's been included in the squad to assess his progress in an international touring environment.
2: There's been a, a regular dialogue with Jesse over a while now with um, Mike Hesson and Brendan McCullum and myself and a number of others. And um, Jesse's uh, clearly indicated that he's committed to getting back into the Black Cats. And uh, the New Zealand A-Tour is a stepping stone towards that. So um, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, nor does Jesse, but we're giving him the opportunity to go on the A-Tour to, to prove that he's worthy of selection.
1: So what commitment has he had to make to be considered worthy of selection,
2: Jesse's been selected on the basis that he will play on the A tour, and um, obviously we're going to measure his performance both on and off the field. So, you know, he'll be evaluated as um, as a player in the team environment, just like all the other players. And then from there, we'll make a judgment call uh, for the next stage, which is the the Black Caps one day series against Pakistan. But we're not at that point yet.
1: Has there been a booze ban placed on him?
2: No, not at all. Not at all. Has um, he has
1: he undertaken to not drink alcohol?
2: That's not the question um, that I'm prepared to answer because, uh, like all players, um, we treat them as adults and if they wish to have a beer or two with their meal and be sensible adults around it, that's entirely over to them. But if it gets to the point that it affects their performance or affects the team culture in any way or they're actually... You know, not putting the team first and they're putting themselves ahead of the team all the other sorts of things that we'll be looking at in terms of future selection.
1: Given, I suppose, the, the troubles with the opening combination against South Africa, has his return come quicker than possibly anticipated given the amount or the strong sense that came from New Zealand cricket and from the players that he it was going to be some time before he'd ever be considered again for a role in an international side. I mean this is possibly come about quicker than you might have expected given the opening partnership problems?
2: No, look, we don't see it like that. We actually see this tour as an opportunity for all players, and there's a a bunch of players that we want to see playing at a high level, also in the New Zealand A-team environment, and also potentially in the Black Caps environment. So this A-tour is quite timely in terms of opportunity for all the players. So we've had A couple of injuries, Um, Kane Williamson hasn't been able to bowl, which is sort of, in a sense, we've been looking at um, who can bowl at the top. Jimmy Neesham is an all-rounder, or does he open? And we've tried that as well. So we're trying a range of combinations. They may not have come off just yet. The guys are still a bit rusty because they haven't played a lot of cricket and going into play the South Africans basically in their first match um, at a high intensity was was certainly a, a bit of a shock to the system, but really just reflected where the guys were at in terms of um, their progress in terms of playing. But, yeah, going forward, there'll be a whole uh, bunch of players. We'll be looking at a whole range of options. And, uh, you know, we've got till um, December before we select the 30-man squad, and then um, 8th of January when we pick the final 15 for the World Cup.
1: Has his return to the international frame come quicker than you might have anticipated, given the issues from February?
2: No, not really. Um, he's had a good winter. Um, well, our winter, playing county cricket in uh, in England. Um, his performances were, were good there. He's come back. He's started well here. Uh, we've had discussions and, and like anything, it's uh, working through a process, uh, good communication lines and setting out the, the the procedures that we actually, and the protocols that we expect from players when they go on tour. So, As I said, it's just the A-tour's come about and uh, he's always been considered for that. It's just the timing of it and uh, I think it's worked out pretty well.
1: Although reports from England suggested there were still alcohol issues.
2: We're looking at his performance and so let's not get ahead of ourselves. So in terms of the um, New Zealand A-tour, it's not the Black Caps. And, um, you know, as Brendan has said quite clearly, he wants players who are desperate to play for New Zealand. And what does that mean? It means that players will prepare well and play well. So it's the overall package that we're getting from players. So the the complete package will be assessed on that basis. So if there's any shortfall in any respect, that will be taken into account when we make future selection decisions.
1: Although presumably you're looking for the same standards from players whether they're playing New Zealand A or Black Caps. Absolutely. But if the same standards apply for New Zealand A as the Black Caps why not pick him for the black caps because I mean form uh, with Jesse Ryder it's generally not being scoring runs is the problem it's the off field behaviour and the general team protocols so if the same standards apply for New Zealand A and you've deemed him able to, to pick him for New Zealand A why not pick him for the black caps
2: no well that's what we're going to find out so on the New Zealand A tour we will get an indication on, on the overall performance of, of the player in question so of Jesse so
1: going back into the Black Caps environment, he'd have to still have a fair bit of making up to do with some of those players, wouldn't he?
2: Um, I can't answer that at this stage. um, It's really the guys who, um, you know, there's a a strong team culture in there, and that's how people go about their roles relative to the team game plans. And and they're all professional cricketers, so if someone's contributing and doing a, a great job both on and off the field and putting the team ahead of themselves, well, that will be ideal. I don't think there'll be any issue at the end of the day.
1: Although his track record suggests that he can't do that.
2: Well, the A-Tour is the opportunity for us to actually determine that. And um, if he doesn't come through that, well, we'll have to make a decision during the tour or towards the end of the tour.
1: Is this the last chance for Jesse Ryder?
2: No, not at all. We've got the A-Tour, so it's first step in the process. And uh, if he does everything that we expect of him, you know, who knows what stage two could be.
1: If things don't work out here, is this the last chance? I mean, given his track record.
2: Uh, look, if, if um, say, his form's not up to us, he may not be selected on the basis of that. So there's a whole range of factors that we'll need to take into account. It doesn't preclude him from selection in the future at any stage.
1: Behaviour-wise, though?
2: Again, it's um, so how he... Performs within the team environment and, you know, following the team protocols and and, and what's, uh, you know, certainly in question there, if there's any issues that arise from that, we'll make a judgement call.
1: Have you had to set up any babysitting mechanisms for them on this tour?
2: Not at all. Uh, they're treated as adults. They'll, they'll um, go on the tour and they'll be a pretty tight unit working together in the UAE and, um, yeah, he won't be treated any differently. And, and that, that's the whole purpose of the side and why they're going away on the A Tour, is to actually get that information and how people respond to certain things in the team environment. So, no, there be nothing like that at all.
1: And what is it that you're hearing from Jesse Ryder that that makes you comfortable making that tr- selection?
2: Well, Jesse's made to a number of us a commitment that he wants to get, in, get back into the Black Cats. And this was the opportunity for him to do it through the New Zealand A tour. He knows. It's a, it's step one for him. And he knows what he needs to do, both um, on and off the field in terms of our expectations. And who knows what may happen from them.
1: Do you sense a change from him?
2: Yeah, look, um, he's he's made a commitment to wanting to get back into the black caps. It's simple as that. So um, we've assessed it on that basis and accordingly made uh, a selection of him for the ATOR.
1: You're taking him at his word.
2: Yes. And proof will be in the pudding.
1: I was talking to New Zealand cricket's Bruce Edgar. The Black Caps are also in the UAE next month and December playing a Test one day and 2020 series against Pakistan. The Silver Ferns are on their longest ever losing streak. They've lost their last six Test matches and lost number seven looms tonight in Palmerston North against England unless they can turn around the result of Tuesday's loss to the same opposition in Rotorua. The biggest problem for the New Zealand side has been the poor goal-shooting form from the likes of Bailey Mez and Jodie Brown. Despite losing that first test to England at 42-38, the Silver Ferns had 10 more shots at goal than their opposition, but their conversion rate was well below 70%. Bridget Tunnicliffe spoke to 11-year Silver Fern veteran Jolene Henry about the frustrations they're enduring.
3: It was pretty sombre initially, I must admit, but on reflection, you know, um, going through our kind of target areas, we're there and thereabouts. We had 10 more attempts at Golden than them, and we, we know that, I guess, our um, shooting kind of let us down the other night a little bit.
4: Do you think people are overlooking the fact that Bailey Mess, for example, has barely had court time as a shooter in the ANZ, and she has actually got a lot of potential?
3: She does have a lot of potential, and I do think that we are overlooking the fact that she's probably, you know, notched up about five tests in her whole career, and they've been at wing attack, so um, I do think we need to cut her some slack, but I can also see public um, perception, you know, when we come into this environment as a silver fern, you're expected to be able to pass and catch and do that really well, and then if your bib says goal shoot, to be able to turn around and shoot the ball also, so I can understand their perspective, but I can also feel for my mate, because one day she will be a fantastic shooter.
4: Has Y given you guys a bit of a blast, or is everyone pretty calm at the moment?
3: I think um, initially she was um, disappointed with our effort. Um, the reality is, is when one area of our court um, isn't quite performing, and we know that um, our shooters you know, are feeling um, very disappointed in their effort, that other areas of court need to be that much better, and we failed to support them in that the other night.
4: Would this be the most frustrating period you've had in your international career with the silver ferns?
3: Yes. Just straight so, out yes.
4: Yeah. How do you deal with something that's quite new to you?
3: The reality is, is you're a silver fern through good times and bad times, and these bad times just make those good times that much sweeter. Um, and I'm also a firm believer that these sorts of times, they show people's true character. Um, you show you see what people are made of, you see their resilience, you know you see how stubborn they are i guess um and I truly believe that if we can turn this around and really learn from these um these games and uh our recent test series against Australia, that it can only put us in good stead against Australia. Um, it's certainly going to ha- have a few stones and a few pebbles underneath our towels come Christmas or when we're eating our Christmas lunch. So um, I guess having that in the backs of our minds and, you know, knowing that there's absolutely no complacency can only, uh, but you know, make us want to work that much harder.
4: Is sticking together more important now than ever before?
3: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to be happy and to be all teeny and chummy when things are going well. Um, it's these times that you learn the most about each other. And, you know, I think that that's something that I'm really proud of this group for doing. Um, there's been no kind of talking about each other. Everyone's there to support each other and realise that people are going to have off days. Um, we just hope that they're few and far between um, and that we just need to be there. And when they are having those days on court, that other areas of court are actually exceeding their targets so that, you know, their, I guess, performance um, isn't so um, highlighted.
4: What do you think England learnt from their, their two matches against Australia? Um, and how well did that set them up for that game on Tuesday?
3: I wouldn't have a clue what they learnt, to tell you the truth, but um, whenever you play the very best, and Australia are the best at the moment. Um, You definitely have to be that much better, and I think that they've transferred that over here. They're traditionally a team that doesn't travel well, um, and then eventually, once they kind of have been away for a little while, they find their strides. So we always knew that they were going to be tough, and we can expect them to be even tougher come Friday.
4: Were England more physical than they've previously been?
3: Uh, I think that they're niggly, they're off the ball, they're late, but we knew, we knew all this, um, you know, we just have to get on with the game, expect what they're going to give, and just be that much better, be that much more skillful so that we can get the ball and play in open space um, and then take them on if need be.
4: Is this the, the weakest Silver Fern side you've been involved in?
3: Um, I wouldn't exactly say that. I'd say it would be the, the Silver Fern side that I've had the most losses with consecutively or ever. <laughs> um I definitely think that we have been weakened by, through injury or through, um, you know, we've had Anna Scarlett um, be pregnant, we've had, you know, Casey May's horrific injury, and then we've had Maria Tutai, and if you look at that, you know, those are three very well established players who contribute hugely to this environment, so it was always going to be a challenging time for us, but we need new players, um, if you look next year, you know, perhaps there, there might be a few looking to, I guess, hang their international boots up, so We kind of, there was always going to be a period where we need to blood new people and I just think that it's really fortunate that we can blood new people while, you know, there's still a few of us old ones hanging around.
1: That's Silver Fern, Jolene Henry, talking to Bridget Tunnicliffe. The New Zealand track cycling team leave next week for the opening round of the World Cup in Mexico but it's the 2016 Rio Olympics that are at the back of their minds. The World Cup event in Guadalajara is also a lead into February's World Champs in Paris. The 16-strong team will contest the Olympic events of Team Sprint, Team Pursuit, omnium, Sprint and keirin over a two-and-a-half-day programme from November the 7th to the 9th. I spoke with the National Track Cycling Coach Dale Cheekly about their goals for the World Cup in Guadalajara.
5: The World Champs they, uh, are obviously our end goal in February. Uh, these World Cups serve uh, a couple of purposes. The uh, first one is Uh, they carry vital Olympic qualification points for us. The other is to uh, see where we're actually currently at amongst uh, our international competitors and where we need to get to and and go from to get those results in February in the world.
1: What are your thoughts of of where you're at in the wake of the Oceania champs?
5: Well, I think, um, you know, coming out of COM Games with that success there, we decided that we'll have uh, quite a large break. And... uh, and that was, the decision was made based on probably our last one between now and Rio um, so we're still in that re, rebuilding phase and uh, so the expectations of where they're at at the moment I'd say um, not quite where we were uh, in, uh, at the Commonwealth Games but that's what we expected and we look to build through uh, the whole season
1: You've got to pick and choose a bit too with these World Cups don't you because you're not going to all of them.
5: No and that's exactly right and uh, you know, track cycling these days with, with the way the international body is has structured it, it's a 12-month-a-year uh, season. So you, you can't be up for everything. And uh, we have to pick and choose as to which ones we really want to target and which ones we, uh, we're going to to see where we're at and what we need to work on.
1: With the Olympic qualifying points, I mean, how exactly does it work? I mean, are you going to have to qualify in each individual event or does, for example, like qualifying for the team pursuit or the team sprint sort of Mean you can grab a couple of individual sprint spots as well. How does it actually work?
5: Yeah, that's correct. Like for each, for each squad, sprint versus endurance, it's a little bit different. For the sprinters, we're really aiming on qualifying the uh, the team sprint uh, because that then qualify the qualified team sprint then qualifies us uh, two individual sprinters and two individual turn riders or two spots in those events. For the endurance side, we have to qualify a standalone team pursuit and then a standalone omnium rider. So. Different processes and different goals for each squad.
1: What are you expecting from the opposition come Guadalajara? I mean, at, at how many teams are going to be in the similar boat to, to New Zealand?
5: I think I think most of the nations are going to be in very similar boats. I think we'll probably see a, quite a uh, quite a strong World Cup from, from Great Britain. They're looking to target uh, these first couple of World Cups, particularly London being the second uh, World Cup, their hometown home track, they'll look for a good performance there um, but the Europeans, they've just had their European champs in Guadeloupe. Um, sounds weird that their uh, the European champs are actually in South America but uh, <laughs> they have so they've been over there uh, for quite some time and acclimatised and uh, adapted to those conditions, so I think the European nations will be quite strong
1: London sounds as much sort of shaping it as more of a, a key event for you with that, that lead into the World Champs, is it?
5: Yeah, you know, it'll be uh, another five weeks down the track from now, so another five weeks under the belt in regards to the training stimulus. So uh London will be a, a key a key uh, key event uh, for a few of our squads.
1: Going into that February event, the World Champs, as being world champions in the the team sprint, has that altered your approach? With the team, or, or how to train them, or how they approach things—is it, is it a different dynamic?
5: Well, it's actually like Anthony Peters done a great job uh, with that sprint squad, and the fact that yes, they are world champions, but looking for those extra little things to maintain and 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 defend that world title. So Anthony's doing a great job there with that that group of sprinters, always looking for that little bit extra edge, and um, I think you know, come come February they'll. They'll definitely be in the hunt again and a and a real strong force.
1: No doubt the other nations are looking to maybe take a bit of a psychological edge over New Zealand too. And and with that World Championship title comes the that pressure of being a target, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, well, you know when you've got the rainbow jersey on your back, you're always a bit of a target. However, it's a uh, it's a uh, team timed event, so you know you can only do what you can do on the track. So. You know, they'll just ride as the fast they possibly can, and, and, uh, and that's what those boys are very good at.
1: Guadalajara, anything sort of in particular you have to cope with there?
5: I, uh, it's just the usual travel there. Uh, meat contamination is always a big one for us uh, when we go through to South America, particularly Mexico. Um, but you know, it's just the usual, um, the usual uh, travel requirements for us. Um, you know, we've done it a thousand times before and I think we have a pretty down pack now. I've never been to this track before. Uh, they had a World Cup there last year, but I wasn't there. But at the end of the day, you tell the riders, it's 250 metres, is wood, and uh, you turn left at the end of the straight.
1: I was speaking with National Track Cycling Coach Dale Cheatley. New Zealand's five Super Rugby squads were finalised this week with no surprises in the confirmation of the sides. In fact, the only real changes are in the Hurricanes' coaching lineup. Chris Boyd is head coach and he'll be assisted by John Plumtree. Boyd has coached the Wellington side for the past three years and the pair worked together at the South African side, the Sharks, from 2006 till 2009. Plumtree is also a former Wellington coach before he left for the Sharks. Plumtree will focus on the Ford pack and he told Barry Guy that he's pleased with how they've developed.
0: The Hurricanes improved a lot last year, they, only, uh, they missed out the playoffs by one point, um, so there was general improvement um across the field really and, that, and that's obviously including the forwards. so you know I think I look at that pack and uh you know there's there's a number of them that are sort of three four years into super rugby now, so it's not uh you know it's it's not a pack that's inexperienced and it's not a it's not a pack apart from thrushy that have uh, been there for a number of years either so there's a fair bit of growth um you know, uh, still to go in the pack. Um, there are some areas that I've identified that you know I'd like to work on, but again, it'll just be uh, for me. It's all new, and um, I'm really aware of that. And first of all, you know, I've got to get to know the boys really well, and uh, and that'll be my main focus. And and when we're all back together, and uh, and then we'll just take it uh, step by step and and get to that pack to where 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 I want it to go.
1: So you've been away for a few years now. You've- what, what are you bringing back now that uh, perhaps is going to... What do you want out of the Hurricanes?
0: Oh, well, look, I mean, this is home for me. So uh, when I was last here with the Lions, um, you know, I enjoyed my time with Wellington. Of course, that was, you know, eight years ago. Um, so a lot's changed. People have changed, personnel have changed. There's a couple of faces that, have, uh, that are still here. And like you mentioned, a couple of and Conrad that uh, were here when I left. Um but there's, you know, a lot, a lot of things have changed. Um, I've, you know, had a great, uh, great time with the sharks over the over that period of time, and, and had a fantastic year in Ireland last year um, with with Joe and and um, yeah. I'm just looking forward to getting back into it and getting to know the people here again. And um, you know, my, I guess my experiences and my knowledge that I've picked up in that time, I'm looking forward to imparting on the team and um, you know assisting Boydie and and the rest of the management um, as, as much as I can, looking to add value. And I'm really excited to be back in New Zealand. I'm uh, really excited to have my family back here. Uh, my boys are back in well, in Wellington College and uh, enjoying the city.
1: What about you know your time in South Africa? We know the, the, the way the forwards play over there. Are you bringing any of that back here, or, or do you think New Zealand teams are suited to the perhaps the, the style they play here?
0: Well, I think there's a perception that the South African forwards are pretty direct and uh, you know, don't really know how to play with the ball and um I think if people, you know, saw the Sharks play over the years, um, that I don't think that would be the case at all with, with the team that I coached. Um, you know, if anything I took a, a bit of a New Zealand style of game to the Sharks and um and I guess that's why we were a dangerous side over the years because we had a mixture of, um, you know, the, I guess the blunt South African style and the and the flair of the of of, of how I coached the boys. And um, I'm looking forward to just um, imparting some of that knowledge that I've, I've I've had, you know, from the from the Sharks and from Ireland. I must say because, uh, you know, that was a smart coaching team that was that was involved in Ireland and and there's some excellent players as well, um, that was playing that played for Ireland in the Six Nations last year. So, um, you know, are there, this this group here, this Hurricanes group's talented and um, you know, if you if you look at the forwards, Victor Vito and Brad Shields and the Loose and Adi Severe and Callum Gibbons and Blade, um Thompson, you know, there's some and Jeremy Thrush, there's some great, great young players and Jeff Tumanga Allen up front and Dane Cole, so there's there's you know there's some great players in that and that group. And uh, if I can just you know add my two cents worth to everything, then um, and, and improve them, then uh, then then we should see that through the season. But I think the big thing for us is that we want some real consistency. We don't want to be looking back on the season and saying oh, look, we should have we dropped that game and um, we should have won it. We want to we want to be looking at yeah you know, well we did really well and and, uh, and we got to the end.
1: Your consistency. Can you can you teach people that?
0: Oh, well, I think it's a, it's a golden chalice, isn't it? You know, um, you know it's uh, you know most uh, most super sides look back at those those one or two games and think we should have had that one. We blew it and it cost us. You know, and uh, you know the, the hurricanes of had a bit of a reputation for that, but I still believe that there's many teams in the competition that have got a reputation for that, and there's probably only two or three teams that can honestly say that they have been consistent and won trophies in, in Super Rugby. Um, so we're aiming for the top, and um, you know we've got a lot of work to do here. Um, we're looking forward to hopefully getting some really good support from from everyone who's a Hurricane supporter in the region and, uh, and, and getting behind the boys.
1: A new coaching combination, you and Chris Boyd. Chris... Had, uh, has just gone through the ITM cut with Wellington, which they only won one game, unfortunately. Um, you know, what do you take anything? Nothing from that. Move on.
0: Oh, you know, it was a sad for Boydie to finish off with, like that with Wellington. Uh, you know, he's uh, been a fantastic coach for Wellington uh, over the years, and and he didn't certainly didn't want to leave the ship like that. Um, so they had a, there was a number of. Reasons and and I guess excuses for, for what happened during that campaign, but no one really listened to that and only look at the outcome. and uh, And it's been like I say, it's been a tough uh, tough time for him. But uh, he's looking forward to uh, to uh, coaching this team and and leading this hurricane side from now on. And, uh, and you know it's up to the rest of us just to get right behind him and uh, and help him out.
1: John Plumtree talking to Barry Guy. It's 40 years ago this week that Muhammad Ali and George Foreman fought the Rumble in the Jungle in Zaire. At 32 years old, Ali was given little chance of beating the undefeated Foreman who'd knocked out two fighters who'd previously beaten Ali. Ali won by knockout, though, putting Foreman down just before the end of the eighth round in a fight that's been called arguably the greatest sporting event of the 20th century. Another sneaky
2: right hand. This time he works over the shoulder Foreman...
1: Reflecting on that fight years later, George Foreman admitted he thought it would be easy to win. Muhammad Ali, the toughest human being I ever got into the world. He didn't have the best punch. He wasn't the strongest. Nothing. But he was the most tough human being I'd ever had an encounter with. But a couple of times I hit him, especially I hit him in the side one time, and it was a hard shot to the side. And he fell on me, and he was holding, and, he, and out of desperation he said, that's
0: all you got, George.
1: That scared me. Both Ali and Foreman received a record $5 million each for the fight in Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Time, those treated the two fighters very differently. Foreman seems all but untroubled by his long years in the ring and remains as a preacher and barbecue salesman, while Ali one of the most tragic figures in world sport, suffering from Parkinson's disease. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now.